paper, but it was exciting to know. Also, the last time I came, we got here, for me, it was just a little bit late, and we were sort of rushing around and getting things together and stuff, and I uh, didn't have a chance to get a, a bulletin. Well, we came sauntering in tonight, and I found a bulletin laying in the pew, so I apologize if I pick somebody's up that way. And I looked, and I'm in the bulletin. <laughs> there is my name. Now, they told me it was in there the last time, but I didn't, wasn't, didn't get a chance to see it. So anyway, I figure I made the big time. I mean, it's spelled correctly. And everything in there, not too many people spell razor correctly, especially since I don't say it right. You know, it's, my brother likes to say it's, e, it's racer, like an eraser. But he's the only one who does that. The rest of us put a Z in there and things that way. But anyway, no, I'm tickled to, uh, to be able to be here tonight, and I'm glad that you're all here uh, with us as well. I shared a little bit about myself uh, when I was here the last time. I had the opportunity to preach, and I didn't write any of that down. So I have to write things down to remember and know. So I can't really remember what I told you about myself. Uh, but it must have been good since uh, you invited me back that way. I do know that I ended my sermon with something about big ears, because a few of you remembered and reminded me as you went out, you know, that way. And that was uh, quite, a, quite a ride. I, did, I uh, grew up on a farm. I think I told you that. I can milk cows by hand uh, that way. Uh, one of the sort of interesting things is uh, my mother wanted a girl. And the first child she had was a boy. And the second child she had was a boy. The third child she had was a girl, but during childbirth there was complications and the umbilical cord uh, was wrapped around the dear girl's neck. And she was, when she was born, she did not make it. And as my mother, the story goes, as my mother was wheeled out of the room, she asked the doctor right then and there while she was still on that gurney when she could get pregnant again because she so desperately wanted a girl. Well, if you remember, I'm pretty sure I told you that somebody was the third child, and that was me. So number three was my mother's girl, which was me. Then we had a fourth, my younger brother, uh, came along, and then finally, number five, my sister Jamie came, but it was too late by then. I am the girl of the family. I can cook. I can clean. I can sew. I can iron. Anybody iron with an old iron anymore? You know, we don't do that. But please, whatever you do, do not tell my wife, okay? Do not tell her. I don't want her to know that I know how to run the vacuum cleaner, that I know how to clean clothes, or anything like that, because if she ever found out, that would be the end of my life. But anyway, so please, just, you know, when you see her, or if you ever do run into her, you know, just smile and say, I like your husband and his big ears, and we'll be fine as we go through uh, from there. All right. Also, I couldn't remember if I told you, I think I told you that I had, had retired for various reasons, but I couldn't remember if I told you that I was working at Bucky's. Uh, and if I didn't, I am. I'm working at Bucky's. I'm in the maintenance department there. If you go and the restrooms are clean, which they will be, <laughs> thank me. And I remind of that. Uh, Todd, one of my friends uh, that was a cashier there, is here tonight. And that sort of reminded me of that as well. But I, I do the, the maintenance department does the outside, the inside, and then 
uh, you take a shift in the restrooms. We literally put, if you did not know, uh, we put somebody in the restrooms, eight-hour shifts, three, three times a day. That's why the Bucky's restrooms are clean. They're prom- I don't really meant to do an advertisement for them there, but I can't help myself. Uh, cheap gas, good food, and a clean restroom. Those, that's the Bucky promise. As you get there, if you come in, you can ask any cashier where Vaughn is. Don't ask them where Brother Razor is or anything that way. They have no clue, but if you ask where Vaughn is, they can tell you that's the ministry uh, that I have now is ministering there that with the, uh, especially with the younger kids. Uh, bless his heart, the guy the other day, I was talking to him about a W-2, and he goes, what's a W-2? I mean, he was that, just that young. He had never, this was his first job. He had no clue that he was supposed to even have a W-2 or get one as they came on. But that's the exciting part about that. As I am there, I'm able to relate to them. I'm able to talk to them, uh, not as a preacher, but as just a fellow employee. And as they share and things, it, I have that opportunity to, to witness to them. And God has given that to me. And I just appreciate that very much. Uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew uh, uh, chapter 11, verses 28 uh, through 30 tonight. Uh, Alan started on the 23rd Psalm. I'm sure that those of you who have been here have realized that. And last week he got to talk a lot about uh, being able, as the Lord, would, as the shepherd, would bring you to lie down in the green pastures and beside the still waters and the peace that was there. And uh, that got me thinking as well. And I just wanted to, to build upon that because that is not just a, a one-section thought in the Scripture about having peace and having rest. As we're going to see tonight, as we work our way through uh, these verses, rest and peace is something that God wants to give you. Think about that. In this world today, of having to be places now, when we lived out in Breathitt County, we had our, our four children. At one time, all four of our children were in different schools, elementary, junior high, high school, and then our other child, we are, there was the Jackson City School, and then there was Breathitt County. So at one point, we had children in all of those schools, and there's just the two of us there, and things, and all the activities they were in, and the sports, and the things, and being here and there. I know I'm preaching, as they say, to the choir, because a lot of it know what that is. And life is moving quickly. And the pressures that come upon us and the, and, the, and the things that are around us. Sometimes, you remember the old commercial? Calgon! Thank you, I got a little bit. Take me away! You know, the younger kids are, what's a Calgon? <laughs> you know, that way, well, ask somebody older than you and you'll find out that way. But I mean, that was a great commercial because you're like, yes, please, would somebody just take me away? Well, we're going to look tonight and we're going to find out that Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, creator of all heaven and earth, wants to give you rest. Look with me, if you will. Let's read our scripture tonight. Matthew 11, starting at verse 28. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest in your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you again for this time and this hour that we have to gather together and to study your word, to know that you are here, to know that you want to be a part of our lives. And all we need to do is call out to you. And God, you will come into our lives. You will forgive us of our sins and you will give us rest. Father, I just pray as your spirit moves here tonight that we will listen, that we will hear not with just our ears, but with our hearts. And that as you touch our lives, that we will respond to you and do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Jesus wants exhausted people. Now let that sink in for a little bit. Tonight, because what I want you to see, it's probably dangerous to talk about rest on a Sunday night, isn't it? But hopefully you all got your nap this afternoon and you're a little bit ready that way. Uh, One of the things I always said, and I meant it with all my heart every year, all the time when I preached. If you made it here and you fall asleep, I don't care. Because you know why? I know what it took to get here. I know what sacrifices you made to make it here in your life. I know what it's like to get four children ready for church (laughs) and get them into the car and find out who forgot this and who forgot that and how we're going to get there. You may not like it. And if you snore, I'm going to ask somebody to smack you. But I'm serious, folks. I know what it takes to make it here. And I know what it is in life to do that. And if you, if you need that rest, what better place than right here? So I know it's a little dangerous to talk about rest tonight. But like I said, if it, if it comes over you, that's, that's fine with me. I'm, 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 glad, you're, I'm glad you're here. More than 2,000 years ago, Jesus called out to people who needed rest. And he said, come unto me. Come unto me. The words are so soothing when you realize this is Jesus Christ that's calling out. Most of you probably have red letter Bibles. And if you don't, that's fine. But these are the words of Jesus Christ. And he is saying, come unto me. Now, Jesus can call until the cows come home. But if we don't respond, then all his calls are wasted. But he calls to you. When life gets overwhelming, many of us may wonder where the Lord has gone. But, you know, he hasn't gone anywhere. He's the same yesterday today and forever. If it's rest we need, we'll find it when we find our way to Jesus and only to him. When life gets complicated and overwhelming, it's easy to seek out things here in the world. It's easy to even seek out godly parents and maybe ask for their advice to maybe find the pastor and ask for his divine, his advice to listen to Christian music and, you know, and, and things, and all of these are good, you know, or maybe even get a book about rest. But isn't it amazing that our Lord and Savior says, come 
to me. That's where you're going to find rest. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor. Now, I'm going to give you a little education tonight that you may or may not, and you may already know. Does anybody in here know the Greek definition? You're already scared, okay? The Greek definition of the word all. Anybody want to take a, a guess to know what the Greek definition of the word all is? Now, remember the last time I told you that whenever a preacher asks a question, there could be, you know, a catch to it? Let me give you a secret. He gave his only son that what? Whosoever. What do you think that Greek word is there? Oh, look how intelligent you guys are already. You're right. It's the Greek word. Oh. Now the King James puts it in whosoever. But I, I'm, I want to make that a little humorous. But on the other hand, I want you to understand. When the Bible says all, it means all. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Whenever that word appears, it means all. And so when he says, come unto me, all ye that labor, he's talking about everybody. That includes you and me, your cousin Vinny, my uncle Bob, your neighbor Poindexter, the girl who dumped you, you, the girl that you dumped, the fast food clerk, your boss, the mailman, the shoe saleswoman, the car dealer, the lawyer, your doctor, your doctor's lawyer, your lawyer's doctor. I had a lot of fun with this, in case you didn't tell. All means all. Rest is something that Jesus offers to all. And so now what does that mean? Now it says all who labor. Now we'll get a little technical. The Greek word for labor is kopeo. It means to feel fatigued. It means to work hard. It means to work to exhaustion. Now I grew up on a farm. I know what it means to work to exhaustion, I helped work at a dairy farm that we milked a hundred cows and uh, a day. And one time we went out into the field and there was no shade and the sun was burning down and we picked up rocks so that the, when the disc came through, they didn't bust the disc up. I was exhausted. <laughs> I think a lot of you know what that means to work to exhaustion. But you see, the heartbreaking thing about Labor is, that was not God's design. Remember what God's design was for Adam and Eve? It was the Garden of Eden. No weeds, no anything. They just had to walk about and enjoy. That was God's design. But what happened? If you want to hold your finger there in Matthew, let's look back at Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17 and Adam and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. Verse 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Thou shalt return unto the ground. For thou art what thou taken. For dust thou art. And dust thou shalt return. That was the curse that was put on the human race. Because of Adam and Eve. That we now had to labor. And that would be terrible. Except what? Jesus just gave you the answer. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. Jesus understands this. He's calling single mothers who fall exhausted into bed each night. And students who work nights to pay for their classes. Jesus understands rising prices and falling salaries. And widows who never expected to be working in their 60s or their 70s or maybe even their 80s. He's calling to young husbands who have to work and work and work and never see their wives or their children because of their second jobs. He knows what that means. And he says, come unto me, all you who labor. And then he says, or heavy laden. The Greek word for heavy laden is fatizo, fatizo. And it means to load up as you were loading up a vessel or you're loading up a pack animal. That you would just pile things on to load them up. But it also means to overburden with ceremony or spiritual anxiety. Jesus knew about the Jews and all their rules and how they wanted to load those on people. All through the Gospels, Jesus criticized the religious leaders for the burden, for burdening the people with religious rules that God himself never intended his people to have. Because that ritual, religious ritual doesn't take away sin. It just adds another burden to a life that is already overloaded. And sometimes we as good Christians do that to ourselves as well. Burdening ourselves with this and that and not realizing that we can just give that over to Jesus. We should never be a people who emphasize religious ritual. God's plan for us is that the life of Christ flow through us into the world with rivers of life-giving water gushing forth from deep inside our hearts that will quench the spiritual thirst of those around us. Maybe religious rules are all you know. Lay them down. Come unto Jesus. Let him take care of you. Because he says, I will give you rest think about that Jesus says come to me come to me and I will give you rest there's no asterisk here that's one of the things I always like and things that I, that I use at one time you ever see TV commercials there's always an asterisk and then down at the bottom there's all these words that you can't read because they're so that fine print. <laughs> you know, they'll say, this will cure cancer. And then down here, oh, no, well, I'll cure cancer. All things are only 95% of the things. And don't ever take this because you're like, what? You know, because they can say anything they want. And then they'll put an asterisk and take it all 
Any of you see an asterisk there in your Bible when it says that he will give you rest? There isn't one. There isn't one. He will give you rest. That's just pure and simple. You don't have to earn it. He doesn't say this. I copied this, but I thought it was good. He doesn't say this. Come and we'll discuss how you can make some positive changes in your lifestyle that will cause you to get the rest you need from the pressures of life. No, he doesn't say that. Could you imagine? No, don't even imagine it (laughs) that way. The last thing an exhausted, worn out, burdened person needs is another book to read, a set of rules to follow, or even a life changing task to accomplish. Jesus' offer is simply that. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's his gift. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, no asterisks. He says, if you want rest, come to me. How is that going to happen? Then he tells us, verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Now you might want to say, now wait a second, preacher. You just said Jesus was going to give me rest. Then you tell me, he says, take my yoke <laughs> upon you. Doesn't sound like we're getting the, going the same direction here. The yoke is a farming term. Now, some of this, this one thing I didn't anyway, a farmer would pair two animals together to plow the fields, putting a wooden yoke over their necks so the beasts had to go everywhere and do everything they sang the, together. They walked and lived at one. Now, what I didn't understand until I read up on this is, is in the normal course of events, and maybe the rest of you knew this, you know, you'd have two animals, one yoke. They would take an older, mature animal in this side, and they would put the young, immature animal in the other side. So that the young, mature animal would just go right along with the mature animal and what? Learn. And then most of the time, I would assume as well, which one of those were the taller of the two animals? So when you put the yoke on the older animal, it didn't really fall completely on the younger animal. So the younger animal was probably like, hey, this is pretty nice. You know, I'm just going right along here. Because what? The older, the mature animal is probably doing most of the work. Let that sink in. Because like I said, I didn't realize that. I just thought you put a yoke on two animals, and maybe you did sometimes. But if you wanted to train the younger one, you put them with the mature one, and the mature one did most of the work. Sound like something Jesus might actually do if he's going to give us rest? You see, because Jesus isn't wanting to put another burden on us by inviting us to take his yoke, he's explaining that the way to keep the rest he gives us is to hook ourselves up to him. Don't go anywhere without him. Let him lead and guide as you walk through life with your days of labor and toil. But notice this, and very important, what he says. He doesn't say, I will put my yoke on you. Does he? He does not say that. 
He says, take my yoke upon you. You and I have to pick up that yoke. You and I have to be willing to put our heads in there. You and I have to be willing to walk with him. Because what do we say? When once you put that yoke on, where are you going to go? Everywhere. And what are you going to do? Everything that Jesus does. I'm not going to go into all that tonight, but be careful when you say, yes, preacher. (laughs) Yes, preacher, I'll go everywhere with Jesus. Yes, preacher, I'll do everything that Jesus says. Yes, preacher. Because that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. And he's asking you to do that. He wants you to be intimately attached to him in your everyday life. Think about that. What would happen? What would change in our lives if you had a yoke on and Jesus was right here? Through your whole life. Eat breakfast, go to lunch. <laughs> How much would life be different if you realize that's where he is? And he is. And then he says, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is telling us that being yoked together with him means walking at his side, learning of him, learning from him, learning about him. That's what he wants us to do. I believe we talked about that not too long ago here, about the story of Mary and Martha that Alan was sharing with us. That Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to him, digesting his words while her sister Martha was doing all the work. And Martha complained about the disparity in that work. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But what? Only one thing was needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. To what? To be yoked to Jesus. To sit at his feet. And Jesus says it will not be taken away from her. The focus of our lives must be on Jesus. We got to turn off the TV. We got to turn off our phones. We got to turn off our games. You know what the number one hardest thing to do in our Christian life is? And if you didn't know, I want to tell you tonight and then maybe you understand. It's having a daily quiet time. It's hard, folks. And if you're having an easy time with it, praise God. But most of the time, our lives are so hurried and things and stuff. We go, bless me, Lord, and we're out the door. Or we're at a traffic light. And we say, oh, Lord, uh, forgive me. And then we go on because life is so hectic. Because there's power in that and in that rest. If you are not doing a daily quiet time, I want to beg you to do one. And if you haven't started, start with 30 seconds. And you may laugh and say, what? Get it down, then go to a minute. Get it down, and then go to two. If you start trying at 15 and 20 minutes, you probably won't make it if you've not done anything. And those of you who are at 15, 20 minutes or an hour, praise God. But we have to learn from him. And the only way to do that is to put that focus on him. Then he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. 
Jesus isn't beating our heads over with this. He's not a taskmaster. He describes himself with words so that it's impossible for us to feel threatened by his presence. He's gentle with those he teaches. He will not force his will upon us. He isn't a slave driver, but a burden-bearing friend. Remember what he told the woman who was caught in adultery? She was caught in the very act of adultery. And what did he say, woman? Where are thou accusers? I can just imagine him with the tenderness of heart and the tears maybe even in his eye, sort of helping her up off the ground and saying, He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That's our Savior. And then he says, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is telling us what will happen when we do walk in that way. And the meaning of the word rest here is just a little different from the meaning that we had in verse 28. In verse 28, the meaning of the, of the Greek word there is anapazo. It says, I will give rest to you. It's more like a, a little, uh, like a coffee break. It's a, a time apart from work for just a moment. But the word that Jesus uses here is different. He says he's going to give us rest for our souls. The Greek word is, is anapazin, anapazin for the psychosis. You recognize that? Rest for the soul. The soul of you. It means that the rest will be something that we possess. The rest that will be something that we experience. The rest will be something that is in our lives. See, the amazing promise is Christ's rest is not a rest from work, but rest in work as we go. He is there for us, giving us that rest. And he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not hard. It's simple. To sit and learn from Jesus. To let him bear our burdens. To have a gentle and humble master. To lean on the king of kings. To pass through life with the prince of peace at your side. What a restful way to walk through life of knowing that he is there and with you no matter what you do all through the bible god's salvation carries with it the promise of rest here and now that he will take care of us it isn't a lack of labor that he desires for his children he doesn't want us just to go and sit and not do anything But the rest are within the labors of our lives. We need to rest in the fact that he will provide. We need to rest in the fact that he will protect. We need to rest in the fact that he will enable us to live. And he will never forsake his children. Lisa and I went to seminary. 
and we had four children. We lived in a two-bedroom apartment that was all of three rooms <laughs> because it was not made <laughs> for a married couple and it was not made for a married couple with children. Our youngest, was he four? One and a half. Yeah, one and a half. Time flies, they grow up so quickly. Our youngest was one and a half. We had four children. The kids slept in one room. Lisa and I slept in the other room. There was a living room area and a bathroom. Four years we lived there through seminary. Why and how? Because God was with us and gave us rest. He was providing for us. I never knew that a little boy from Bradford, Ohio, that grew up on a farm where his mom thought that he was going to be her girl for the rest of her life, would ever make it through seminary, would never make it out to Breathitt County, would never make it back here to Rockcastle County and stand here in front of you all. But I can and have done that, not because of anything about me. I'm the most ordinary person that you ever knew. I think I told you I had braces, the metal kind. <laughs> I've got contacts now, but I had the big old plastic glasses. And we all know I had big ears. I mean, you know, I can't get away from that. I'm just a normal every Joe. But God has protected us and provided for us and given us rest. That's his promise. And that's his promise to you. I took this verse and I applied. Well, you'll see as I read it to you. Listen to, to how I expanded upon it. It says, come to Jesus, every person in the whole world who is feeling fatigued, working hard, to the point of exhaustion and are loaded to the top with physical burdens or overburdened with a spiritual anxiety. And I will give you rest. Pick up my yoke and put it on. And I will show you the way to go as you walk with me. I am not a slave driver or a taskmaster, but as you let me help you, I will give you more than a coffee break. I will give you rest for your soul. I will give you the peace that passes all understanding. I will give rest to all who come to me. The question is tonight for me and for all of us, what do we want? Do we want to continue to work and to work and to get nowhere? Or do you want to find satisfaction and rest? Jesus says, come to me. Jesus says, let me do it. Jesus says, come and I will give you rest. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight as uh, those who are going to lead us in our final song. If you'll come at this time. Jesus says, come to me. 
Surrender yourself to me. Take up my yoke and you must put it on. Surrender now. Let him guide you and carry you and give you rest through this life that we are living. Through the madhouse that we are going through. Through the pressures that are there. I can tell you over and over about how our life in seminary was anything but restful at times. My youngest, well, my uh, uh, two-year-old son was in the hospital with his uh, appendix on the wrong side and almost died because of that. But we were in Louisville, and the best surgeon that they had at the children's hospital was on call that night. A coincidence? <laughs> I think not. They said, we don't know what to do with him, that we don't know what is going to happen, but the pain is on the wrong side. Can we open him up? And we had no idea. We said yes. And, of course, the kid's little. <laughs> they opened him up on the side where his appendix should have been, and it wasn't there. It was on the wrong side. And so they were able to take it out just hours before it would have burst. Lisa was in the hospital with gallbladder surgery. I was taking classes, and we didn't have any money coming in. That doesn't sound like rest, does it? No, it's not. But what I'm telling you is, is God brought us through that. And I could continue on and on and on, but I'm not. God will get you through what life deals out if you will just come to him. Will you respond as we sing tonight, as they lead us in a song? You come as God speaks to you.